You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we're chatting with my friend Jacqueline Twilly, who is a negotiation and equal pay expert. And today is actually International Women's Day. I'm giving a high five to all the women who are listening. Not to uh, count you out, guys. You guys are super important. But today we're talking about women, and we're talking about strategies to help you earn what you're worth. And this is such an important topic because... Too often I see women get in careers and jobs and you don't negotiate on the outset of getting that job and you don't really fight for what you're worth. You don't even know what you're worth. And so that lower income over the life of your career really has a dramatic effect over your retirement account, over lifestyle choices down the road all sorts of things. And as women, we get in and we get out of careers. We have babies. Maybe we stop to take care of our family or to take care of our parents down the road. And because we have a lot of stops and starts, it really does it really does matter what our salary is. And, you know, as you know, um, you know, there's women's marches going on. There's a real kind of you know, I don't want to say upheaval because that's not the really the word, but there really is a focus on, hey, let's do better for women. Like, let's provide better for women. And so I think this is an important discussion. If if guys, you're checking out this podcast, you know, keep listening. Again, this is advice that's not just good for chicks. It's good for everyone. And, you know, guys, you guys are going to be 
the supporters of us in the workforce. You're going to be the ones helping us fight for equal rights. So I think it's really important that that you're active in this and that you're involved in this and that you really realize the importance of women, you know, in the career and that, hey, we're just as good. We can do just as well as as guys and maybe it works better to have that balance right we're we're not living back in the 40s and the 50s when women didn't really have careers i mean the career was to get married and have a baby and it's so different now i mean there's so many different uh career paths and options and startups and being an entrepreneur and it's it's such an exciting time to be a woman but yet there still is this gap there still is this gap in pay there still is this even gap in thinking, right? Thinking that women are just as powerful, just as good, just as smart, just as intelligent, whatever the word may be. So I hope you stay tuned for our chat with Jacqueline. She's amazing. She's got so many great tips. I even learned a lot of things from this chat. And this is all about, you know what, women, let's earn what we're worth. I am so excited to have you on the podcast yet again. This is always a negotiation and gender pay gap and all of these subjects are just, uh, I get questions about these all the time. So I'm so excited to have your expertise. I'm so thrilled to be back on the podcast and I'm really excited that you're um, extending the invitation for me to be a guest and I'm ready to answer some questions. Awesome. So... Um, you know, this, this podcast is released on International Women's Day, and I know that you do a lot of work and a lot of championing for um, gender pay rights and equal pay. Can you tell us a little bit about, like, what's going on out there with, with the, the true kind of pay gap between men and women that you're seeing? Yeah, so in 2017, we haven't made hardly any progress in terms of closing the wage gap. So we've been right, right around the 78, 79 cents for the past three years, which is really frustrating. However, there's some great news. California, a few years ago, passed some equal pay legislation that moves the needle forward in terms of the type of, the type of language surrounding what equal pay is for equal work. So really clarifying some of those vague phrases is going to start moving the needle towards closing the wage gap. Last year, there was a lot of buzz around the city of Boston and the state of Massachusetts as a whole, making it illegal for employers to ask what your previous salary was when it comes to a job application. And the reason why that was such an important piece of legislation that was passed is because women are paid less than men. It's a proven right. fact. So when you pay someone based on what they earned in their last position, you're not giving them the opportunity to earn the market rate. So that legislation was phenomenal in many ways because it's addressing one of the root causes that helps women um, stay stagnant in their wages. So that's a little bit about what's going on. Wow, that I think that's so super important because you're right. I mean, 
you know, whatever, whatever kind of starting salary you start at, I mean, there's so many different things that are, you know, if we're just even looking at it financially, I mean, that could really change kind of your whole like financial trajectory. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know this better than anyone. You know, most people invest a percentage of their salary. So when it comes time to get a raise or promotion, if you're giving a percentage, but you already started beyond behind the market rate, you're never going to catch up. But if you were paid at the market rate and the compound interest from what you invested in your 401k or whatever retirement plan you use would be increased that much more. So it's really, really phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, awesome. So like, how do women, I mean, the women that you work with, how do they even know if they're getting paid, you know, kind of under the, you know, the, the market rate? How would they even find that out? All right. So that's a great question. Part of the new legislation that's going around is in part addressing that, that people can't talk about how much they're paid. So in some cases, women will find out only because someone tells them. In other cases, they have a sneaking suspicion, like, I think such and such is getting paid more than me, but there's no evidence. And then for some folks, they come to me and they say, this is the market rate for my city, but this is what I'm being paid, and that market rate is different. So we've talked about this before on the podcast. The market rate is what you get paid for your position with your experience in your geographic area. A lot of folks use online resources as their way to determine if they're being paid at the market rate. So LinkedIn salary, Glassdoor, Payscale, those are some of the websites that folks go to. But in addition to that, some of my clients have been finding out that they're not being paid at the market rate because they have mentors or they're a part of a professional association and just through general conversation, they're learning that they're being underpaid. Interesting, right? So like a variety, there's no like true one place, but a lot of times maybe it's even just kind of a, a sinking or a sneaky, you know, premonition that you might have. Right. Very interesting. So let's back up a little bit from there. So, you know, when, when you're either trying to negotiate it, maybe this is two separate questions, but when you're trying to negotiate either a pay raise or like into a, a new job and you're a female, um, you know, what are some of the things you should be thinking about or you should sort of have in your arsenal ahead of time so you could really like effectively negotiate? So one of the things is you do want to be aware of the market rate. There are a lot of people who guess what they want their next salary to be and they base that on how much their expenses are. They're like, well, this is how much my bills are, so I, I need to make X amount of dollars. And the proper way to do that is to determine the market rate using some of the resources I mentioned earlier. But as equally as important as understanding what the market rate is, it's really understanding the unique skills you bring to that position and how that's going to benefit the company. So when you think about your interview prep and you think you're looking at the company's goals and objectives and their competitors, you really want to hone in on how you can add value to that organization with your special skills. And throughout the interview process, really talk up what you can do for that company, why you're the right person for them to hire, 
beyond your hard worker and you're driven and you're really passionate about whatever it is that you do, pull out the big guns and tell them, you know, I have a, a special skill. I can work Excel spreadsheets like no one else and I can do pivot tables or, you know, whatever it is that you're a specialist in, really talk about that. And even if you're a creative person, I've worked with a lot of people in the creative industry who say, you know, I can't quantify my creativity, but there's value that you bring to whatever organization it is if you're creative. So think about the metrics, what sets you apart in the creative community and talk about those skills. And that's what's going to help you drive that conversation forward. Once you understand what the market rate is, you back that up with why you deserve to earn this much. And if you have any specialized certifications or skills, you want to bring that up because in some cases, you might be one of those people who could earn at the top end or a little above the industry average. Interesting. Yeah. And, and how much do you need to know ahead of time the, the company or like the company background or any projects they're working on? Does that stuff matter? It matters immensely. So... As I mentioned a few minutes ago, you want to prepare just like you're preparing for a job interview, especially if you're already in the company. So right now, there are lots of Fortune 100 companies who have 2020 goals. So in 2020, they want to be a company that is known for X, Y, or Z. For one company, I know they're transitioning from being a traditional company to a tech company. So all of their employees are having to skill up and they're taking specialized training. So if you're already an employee of this large organization and they have these 2020 initiatives, one of the things that you should be speaking about when you talk to your supervisor in your one-on-ones, both formally and informally, is how you're progressing towards getting those certifications. And if you're knocking it out of the park and say, yeah, you know, the past Sell rate is like a, a 92% if you're going to pass or if you're average, but I actually got a 98% on this, and I'm really curious about this subject, and because I'm so good at it, I'm going for the advance, which is above and beyond what the company calls for. So as you're mentioning these specialized skills and knowing what's going on in the company, but also what's in the marketplace, you're letting your employer know or potential employer know that you know the landscape, and you're a person that is going to be a big asset to the company moving forward. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I always say, like, you know, you don't just you don't just say, like, okay, this is my skill, I'm good at this or I'm good at that. You know, if you can relate it back to uh, the company or a project or anything specific, I think that really helps them, you know, at least in their head go, okay, well, this, you know, this will work for us. Yeah, it. And that's what they want to know at the end of the day. They want to know how to help us. What's in it for me? Yeah, if if you keep that at the forefront of the conversation, this is how I can help benefit you and help you reach your goals, then it opens the door for you to go in and command the salary that's appropriate for your skill level. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, I just have so many questions. So and in a lot of the people that, especially women that you're working with, are you finding any um, trends in, uh, you know, pay scale if they're going in to interview with, say, a woman boss versus a man boss? Are there any, are there any different strategies that should be used? So that's one thing that I'm paying very close attention to. I will tell you this. 
women tend to feel, the women that I have been working with tend to feel more comfortable negotiating with a man as opposed to a woman. And I'm really digging into it to try to understand why that is. But science also shows that women are hard on women when it comes to negotiation. And so I don't know if that's because they want you to, they had to work so hard to get into the position mm. that in. So they want you to work equally as hard and they don't want to be seen as being too lenient. So there's um, definitely a fine rope to walk. But I will say this, whether you're negotiating with a male or a female, the most important thing to do is approach these conversations. And every negotiation is just a conversation. Approach the conversations with confidence, not arrogance, because you don't want to put a bad taste in anyone's mouth. When we talk about career, these are long-term relationships that we're developing. So you don't want to start off on a rocky foot. So really gauge how your conversation is going with that person, male or female, and kind of get a vibe for how the conversation is going. And if they're asking you questions that pertain to your competence it's time to step it up a little bit and let them know why you're good at what you do. But if they're asking you more questions related to how you work in a team environment, they might want your personality might be coming off a little strong and they want to know how do you work with others and is this going to be an issue for them? So you do want to be very aware of how these conversations go to know which parts of your skill set you need to showcase at that time oh that's I love that that's very interesting yeah because so often like we're we're so trying to think ahead of you know answering their questions that we're not thinking about okay what are the questions really mean that they're asking us I love that advice yeah and in my workshops I often refer to this example there's a show called blackish and there's one episode where the mom, Rainbow, is talking to the teenage daughter. And she's like, oh, open up to me. I want to be your friend. I'm your mom. But, you know, talk to me. And the teenage daughter is like a typical teenager. Like, yeah, whatever, mom. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> but one day, the teenager goes to the mom. And she starts spilling her guts about what's going on at school. And the mom gets so excited. She's caught up in her head. And she's like, Oh my God, yes, this is our moment. We're bonding. How wonderful. She's talking to me, <laughs> opening up. And she's going on and on and on. Then the teenage daughter says, so what should I do, mom? And the mom has to say, oh, yeah, like do that. She was so caught up in her own head that she didn't hear a word her daughter said. So she missed that moment. And oftentimes we can be so busy trying to put our best foot forward that we get caught up in our own head and we do something similar. We completely miss the point of what the interviewer is asking us or what our supervisor is saying. And then we say something that makes no sense. And then it comes off as you're not prepared or you're not interested and then that's the end of it. And then you start wondering, like, what happened? How did that conversation goes so south so fast and it's because you were overthinking yeah that's such a great point so uh, what about you know I'm getting a lot of questions from people who are going in for like kind of their annual reviews and you know their boss will flat out say to them um you know we don't have any extra money this year 
you know, are there any other ways around that or any other things they should be thinking about as far as negotiation? Absolutely. One of the things I really stress that my clients learn is learn when the fiscal year budget is set for the company that you work for, especially when it comes to performance reviews. Oftentimes, the time of year where the budget is set and the time of year where your performance review happens isn't the same time period. So there really isn't any money because the budget is firm for that year. So a few minutes ago, I mentioned you want to have formal and informal conversations with your supervisor. Those informal conversations should be right before the budget is set, maybe a month or two before, so that they know your aspirations to progress in the company. And they also understand that you're adding significant value. You're going way above and beyond what your job description is. So if you are more aware of when that budget is set, you can get ahead of that conversation. If, let's say, you're just hearing this podcast, the budget was already set, you're going into your performance review tomorrow, how should you navigate this conversation? You want to lead with what you've been doing since your last review or since the time you've been hired. And really talk about the number of projects you've been working on and the milestones that you've reached and the contribution to the overall company goals. And so one of the things I tell people is that your supervisor is really busy. They might manage you and several other people, but they also have their own work to do. So they're not going to remember every time you hit it out of the park because they're just that busy. So it's your job during that performance review conversation to bring those things up, but not just as a brag session, to talk about how you're really engaged in the company, you're committed to the company's goals, and this is the appropriate time to let them know what you would like to do in the future. So don't just stop at your accomplishments and those milestones, but be forward-thinking and share with them, you know, within the next two to three years, I would like to move into this role. How can we establish a plan for me to get there? And, of course, along the way, as my job duties change and my titles change, I would like to be compensated at the proper rate. So being very upfront with that, but leading this entire conversation with the value you're adding to the organization can really shift the dynamic of how your performance review goes. Wow, that's awesome. Such great advice. Yes. Um, okay, so so one last question. I probably have like 50 more, but just one last question. So kind of going back to, to women and, and the wage gap, you know, what do you think, you know, even the next 12 months, like, what do you think needs to happen in order for us to really begin to, you know, bridge this gap? Are there are there any things that, that we can be doing just as like women ourselves in our communities or, you know, what, what does it look like? Yeah, so what there are so many things that we can do. One of the things being aware of the company's maternal and paternal paternity leave policies because that time off when women aren't working men typically stay engaged in the workforce and so there's something called a mommy penalty where when you tap out of the workforce because you you know have to recover your body has to recover from birth um oftentimes women get penalized because they haven't been working the full year so being aware of your policies and how those impact your organization and having very honest conversations in your workplace about that is one way. 
another thing is, you know, if you're a mentor and you're part of a professional association, share with the other women in your organization some of the figures that you've earned. You don't have to give your exact salary, but ballpark it. Let other women know what type of salary they should expect to make based on their experience level and their job duties. And also include men in these conversations because we know men out-earn women for very similar work. And so in addition to that, you want to pay attention to the local legislation that's being passed in your city or state because those can also impact your wages. So in Massachusetts, where it's soon going to be illegal for employers to require you to put your salary history, it can still be optional on a job application. So it's really important for the women in that area to understand that going forward, I think December is the date where this law it goes live. You don't have to put your salary history anymore. So mm. if you don't that, you're still going to fall into that trap. And so the law doesn't benefit you. So those are just some of the things that we can do to be aware of that. And then lastly, I will say this. You have to ask, you know, a lot of times when it comes to a salary negotiation, women are really concerned about being liked. And because they are so concerned about being liked, they don't want to ruffle any feathers. They don't even want to have the conversation about compensation because they're too nervous. They're fearful. They don't know what people are going to think about them after that conversation. So if you really prepare thoroughly to go in and discuss your salary compensation, your total compensation package with the appropriate people in your office, that's one more way we can move the needle forward and close the wage gap. Wow, that's such great advice. So how can people find out more about you, more about what you do, more about your services? I am on all of social media. My name is Jacqueline Twilley, probably most active on Twitter. But you can visit my website, uh, check out my first book, Navigating the Career Jungle. It's a guide for young professionals. That's available on Amazon and Google Play and the Apple Bookstore. But yeah, definitely, if you have any questions, send me a tweet. Let me know. I'd be more than happy to give you some guidance. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jacqueline, for your expertise. Um, I think this is just like a topic that we cannot talk about enough. So I'm so thrilled to have you as a guest. Thank you so much. I am always thrilled to be on this podcast because you're one of my favorite podcasts. So um, the feeling is mutual. I'm always excited to talk to you.